Chapter 13 of High Acres. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. High Acres by Jane Abbott. Chapter 13 Haskins Hill. Jerry, it's perfect! Come and look! Jip, shivering in her pajamas, was standing with her small nose flattened against Jerry's cold window. Downstairs, a clock had just chimed seven. Jerry sprang from her bed with one bound. She peeped over Jip's shoulder. A thaw the day before had made the girls very anxious, but now a sparkling crust covered the snow, and the early sun struck coldly against the housetops. This was the day of the Lincoln midwinter frolic. Bring your clothes into my room, and we'll dress in front of the fire. Ugh! Isn't it cold? But won't it be fun? Don't you wish it was ten o'clock now? It's going to be the very best part of the whole holiday. Jerry thought so, too. When, a few hours later, she and Jip joined a large group of the Lincoln girls and boys at the trolley station. A special car, attached to the regular interurban trolley, was to take them and their sleds and skis and lunch out to Haskins Hill, where the midwinter school frolic was always held. Jerry had not caught a glimpse of the country since arriving with Uncle Johnny at the Wesley home. As the car sped along, she sat quiet amid the merry uproar of her companions, but her eyes were very bright. These wide-open stretches of field, with the little clusters of buildings and the hills just beyond, made her think of home. The founders of Lincoln School had wanted to thoroughly establish the principle of co-education. These young people, one of them had said, will have to live and work and play in a world made up of both men and women. Let them learn now to work and play together. The records of the school showed that they worked well together, and one had only to give the briefest glance at the merry horde that swarmed over Haskins Hill on that holiday morning to know that they played well together, too. It's most like Kettle, cried Jerry excitedly, for at Haskins Station, where the picnickers left the trolley, the hills pressed about so close that they, indeed, seemed to Jerry like her beloved mountains. But how horrid to call a lovely place like this Haskins! It's named after a funny little hermit who lived for years and years. They say he was most one hundred and fifty when he died, in the little cabin at the foot of the hill where we coast. He used to write poetry about the wind in the trees, and he'd wander around and sit in his door playing a violin and singing the verses he'd written. Then his name could be any old thing, declared Jerry, delighted at the picture Jip had drawn. If he did such lovely things, let's us call it the Singing Hill. The scent of pine on the frosty air, and the knowledge that her new sweater and tam-o'-shanter were quite as pretty as the prettiest there, transformed Jerry into a new Jerry. She felt, too, that out here in the open she was in her element. A familiarity with these sports that had been her winter pastime since she was a tiny youngster gave her an assurance that added to her gay spirits. Thanks to long hours of play with Jimmy Chubb, she could steer the bobsled with a steadier hand than any of the others. Barbara Lee, looking more like a schoolgirl than ever, in a jaunty red scarf and cap, declared she'd trust her precious bones to no one but Jerry. The morning passed on swift wings. Only the pangs of hunger persuaded the girls and boys to leave their fun. 
they gathered in front of the picturesque old cabin about a great bonfire over which two of the older boys were grilling beefsteak for sandwiches and from a huge steaming kettle came a delicious odor of soup imagine isabel saying she's too old for all this fun exclaimed jip as she stood in the chow line with her mess tin ready in her hand why a lot of these girls and boys are older than she is the trouble with isabel is and her voice was edged with scornful pity she's afraid of mussing her hair skiing was a comparatively new sport among the lincoln boys and girls only a few of the boys had become even fairly skillful at it yet there had been much talk of forming a team to defeat lincoln's arch enemy the south high while the young people ate their lunch their conversation turned to this we haven't anyone that can touch eric hansen though he learned how to ski i guess in the cradle declared dana king frowning thoughtfully at the long hill that stretched upward from where they were grouped during the morning jenny cox had borrowed graham wesley's skis and had after many tumbles succeeded in one thrilling descent she declared now to the others between huge mouthfuls of sandwich that it was the most exciting thing she had ever done and jenny they all knew had done many jerry next to her had agreed quietly that skiing was very exciting jenny's head was a bit turned by that one moment of victory when she had stood flushed and upright at the foot of the hill trying to appear indifferent as the boys showered laughing congratulations upon her for her feet so now she turned amused eyes upon jerry can you ski there was a ring of derision in her voice jerry nodded then i dare you to try it from the very top the face of haskins hill was divided by a road that wound across it because of the steep descent of the upper part and because the level stretch of the road made a jump too high for anyone's liking only one or two of the boys had attempted to ski from the very top and they had met with humiliating disaster jerry looked up to the top of the hill jenny's tone fired her she was conscious too that jenny's dare had been followed by a hush the others were waiting for her answer if someone will lend me their skis she tried to make her tone careless jerry travis you never would take down a king's skis they're the best the very top commanded jenny may i use your skis dana let her use your skis king jerry don't implored jip jerry put down her plate and cup miss lee was in the little cabin so she did not know what was happening the girls and boys pressed about jerry watching her with laughing eyes not one of them believed that she had the nerve to accept jenny cox's dare but when very calmly she shouldered dana king's skis and started off up the hill alone their amusement changed to wonder and again to alarm jerry looked very small as she climbed on past the level made by the road oh she'll fall before she even gets to the jump that part's awfully steep consoled one boy speaking the fear that was in each heart if she kills herself you'll be her murderer cried jip passionately to jenny cox jenny was wishing very much that she hadn't made that silly boastful dare trying to make someone else do what she was afraid to try herself she was very fond of jerry 
the red faded from her face. She clenched her hands tightly together. Tibby commenced to cry hysterically. One of the older girls declared they ought to call Jerry back. The boys shouted, but Jerry, catching the sound faintly, only waved her hand in answer. At the top of the hill, Jerry turned and looked down the long stretch. She had skied over many of the trails of kettle, but none of them had jumps as difficult as this. Quite undaunted, however, she told herself that she needed only to keep her head. She adjusted her skis, then tried the weight of her pole carefully to learn its balance. She began to move forward slowly, her eyes fixed on the narrow tracks before her. Her knees bent ever so little, her slim body tilted forward. Only for one fleeting moment did she see the group below, standing immovable, transfixed by their concern. Then their faces blurred. The sharp wind against her face, the lightning speed sent a thrill through every fiber of Jerry's being. Her mind was intensely alert to only one thing, that moment when she must make the jump. It came. Instinctively she balanced herself for the leap. Her back straightened, her arms lifted, her head went up. As though she was a bird in flight, she curved twenty feet through the air. Her skis struck the snow-crusted tracks. Her body doubled, tilted forward. Then, amid the unforgettable shouts of the boys and girls, she slid easily, gracefully, on down the trail. Jenny Cox was the first to reach her. She threw her arms about her and almost strangled her in a passionate hug. You wonder, oh, if anything had happened to you. The boys were loud and generous in their praise. Now we've found someone that can put it all over Hanson, shouted one of them. Let's challenge South High right off. Who'd ever believe a little kid like you could do it? exclaimed Dana King with laughable frankness. But he stared at Jerry with such open admiration that any sting was quite taken from his words. Jerry could not know, of course, that all in a moment she had become a person in Lincoln's school. Uncle Johnny, that afternoon in the Wesley Library, had said very truly that it was usually some unexpected little thing that set a style or made a leader. He had not, of course, foreseen this episode of Haskins Hill, but he had known that Jerry had determination with her sunniness and a faith in herself that could never be daunted. Come on, fellows, let's us try it. We can't let Miss Little Travis beat us, challenged one of the boys. There was a general assent to this. Half a dozen picked up their skis. But Jerry lifted an authoritative hand. Jerry, who until this moment had been like a little mouse among them all. Oh, boys, don't try it. Unless you can ski very well, a jump like that's awfully dangerous. I've skied all my life, and I've jumped, too, but never any jump as high as that, and, and I was a little scared, too. And because Jerry was a person, now they listened. She had spoken with appealing modesty, too, not at all with the arrogance that comes often with success and can never be tolerated by fellow students. Miss Travis is right, fellows, broke in Dana King. Let's learn to ski a little better before we try that jump. This very minute, we'll begin practice for the everlasting defeat of South High. You can use my skis, Jerry. Come on, Jenny, the all-Lincoln ski team. He led the way up the hill, followed by a number of the boys and Jenny Cox and Jerry. 
Jerry with a glow on her cheeks that did not come entirely from the wintry air. She belonged now. She was not just a humble student, struggling along the obscure paths. She was one of those elected ones, like Jenny and Dana King, to whom is given the precious privilege of guarding the laurels of the school at High Acres. End of chapter 13